Welcome to the Westminster Pulpit, an extension of the worship ministry at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format, and may this sermon nurture your life in a meaningful way as we proclaim our Savior. ...and pleasures of this world. I call this person the conflicted listener. The conflicted listener is unable to produce good fruit because their heart is secretly entangled with things like lust, greed, pride, and the fear of men. And sadly, this past year, we have seen many prominent conflicted listeners walk away from the faith. Men like Josh Harris and Marty Sampson of Hillsong walked away from the faith because they all esteemed the world more than they esteemed the things of God, the kingdom of God. And this makes perfect sense when we consider what Jesus has to say about the conflicted listener in Matthew's gospel. There he says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. The Apostle John, his disciple, teaches the same thing in his first letter, where he writes, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. See, there are lots of people who may consider themselves Christians, good people, They go to church on Sunday, but their hearts are torn. They have a divided allegiance. And what these verses are communicating to us is that we see that a divided heart is incompatible with a heart for God. The two cannot possibly reside together. So now let's consider the fourth type of listener. In verse 8, Jesus says that this listener is the seed that falls on good soil. And in verse 15, he explains that these are the people who hear the word of God and hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. I call this person the responsible listener because not only do they hear the word of God, but they give themselves wholeheartedly to it and allow the word to shape and influence how they think, how they speak, and how they behave. They don't allow the word of God to simply pass through one ear and out the other. Nor do they give up on the word of God when they come across adversity. And nor are their hearts divided amongst competing desires. But let's ask ourselves, what exactly accounts for this different heart? What makes this listener different from the others. Well, if you look at our passage, Jesus says it's because they have a good and honest heart. But wait a minute. I thought the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. At least that's what the prophet Jeremiah tells us. And I'm pretty sure the apostle Paul agrees with him when he says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the psalmist says that God looks down from heaven and sees no one who does good, 
So what accounts for this good and honest heart in some people and not in others? The answer is God. God himself gives his people the good and honest heart that is necessary in order to receive his word. All right, we know this because God says this through his prophet Ezekiel, where he says, where he tells his people, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from you and give you a heart of flesh. And this is exactly why Jesus tells his disciples in verse 10 of our passage that it has been given, given to them to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus does not tell them these things because they are somehow intrinsically more worthy to hear them. And nor does the word of God come and reside in some people because they already have a good heart, because they've done good enough deeds. So you see, we are all at one time or the other the flippant listener, the superficial listener, or the conflicted listener. And there is nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to change the soil of our hearts. But therein lies the comfort of our passage, because we know it's not up to us. The only way we can hear and receive the word of God is by crying out to him who has made us and asking him for a new heart. And what's better is that Jesus reassures us of this very thing in Matthew's gospel, where he says, For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Likewise, the Apostle Paul tells us that everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can we tell for certain that we have been given this new heart? Well, again, Jesus assures us in Matthew's gospel that we will know that we have a new heart based on the fruits that we produce. But what, exact, what, but what kind of fruit can, exactly can I expect to produce, you might ask? What can I expect of myself and others? Well, the Apostle Paul answers that question for us in his letter to the Galatians. There he writes that the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the qualities of a true Christian of a true follower of Jesus. And the Apostle Peter, in his second letter, lays out a similar list of qualities and says and tells us that if these things are ours and are increasing, they will keep us from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let us also notice that Jesus tells us in verse 15 that we will produce these fruits with patience. 
Now, I'm not a fan of that translation, patience. I think that word, patience, is better translated in the NASB, where it reads perseverance. And I think that's a better translation because it actually fits our passage better. The word perseverance implies that the good fruit we produce will not necessarily come easy to us, right? We won't necessarily find it natural. In other words, it will take us great effort to cultivate this fruit under the pressures, anxieties, trials, and temptations of life. After all, we don't just accept Christ into our hearts and become super-Christians. On the contrary, we know that sanctification is a lifelong process that requires our working in step with the Holy Spirit. It requires work. So I implore each and every one of us here this evening, let's strive with all of our might while relying on the Holy Spirit to produce godly characters in ourselves. Because we are sure that if we do this, that if we make this our aim in life, Scripture tells us that, we will be there, that there will be richly provided for us an entrance into the eternal kingdom of God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this brings us to our third and final point of tonight's sermon. Why should we care? Why should we care about what Jesus has to say? Well, we should care about what Jesus has to say simply because there's too much at stake. There's too much at stake here, people. So far, we have talked about the spiritual truths that this parable communicates to us, but we have not discussed the purpose of this parable. Jesus tells us the purpose of this parable, the parable of the sower, in verse 10, where he says that the whole reason he speaks in parables in the first place is so that some people may continue not seeing and not understanding. And there he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 6, where the Lord commissions the prophet Isaiah to charge the people not to understand in order that their hearts may become hardened. And Isaiah was to do that until all that was left of the people was a holy seed, a holy stump. That is, until all that was left was a chosen remnant of a faithful few. And so what this quote from Isaiah tells us is that the word of God serves two purposes. Two purposes. One is to enlighten the hearts of true believers, and the other is to harden the hearts of unbelievers. I don't know about you, but that's a scary thing when I consider that being said about the word of God. The word of God has not just come to save, it has come to separate the sheep from the goats the saved from the unsaved. So which side of the line will, will, will we fall under? So there we have it. We need to care deeply about what Jesus has to say to us because if we are indifferent to it or simply take his message for, uh, about the kingdom for granted, we run the risk of hardening our own hearts. On the other hand, if we do truly care about what Jesus is saying, 
If we truly care about the gospel, we are going to do something with it. That's what Jesus means in verse 16, when he says that no one who lights a lamp then puts it under a jar. In other words, no one who truly hears the gospel is then ashamed of it and hides from it. Rather, their whole life will bear witness to the gospel so that others may see and give glory to God. And make no mistake about it, there's no fooling God if we aren't responsible hearers of the good news about the kingdom of God. Instead, if we simply sweep it under the rug so that we can continue to live our lives how we see fit, Christ assures us that our sins and our neglect of his word will be found out. In verse 17, he says, There is nothing hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not come to light. He then warns us in verse 18, saying, Take care how you hear. Take care how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. In other words, the responsible hearer of God's word will be blessed with more understanding and given an increase in fruitfulness. Meanwhile, and sadly, the neglectful and irresponsible hearer of God's word will lose what little understanding they do have as they are slowly given over to their heart of dishonorable passions and to the lusts of their own hearts. But thankfully, our passage does not end with a solemn warning from our Savior. Instead, Luke leaves us with an even more glorious promise. Look at verse 20. In verse 20, someone tells Jesus that his mothers and brothers are on the outskirts of this giant crowd trying to get to him. And look how Jesus responds. He answers that person saying, My mother... And my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. That's truly astounding. Truly astounding. Because what Jesus is saying here is that that the responsible hearers of God's word, those who listen and bear good fruit, who leverage their lives for the gospel's sake, will actually be adopted into God's family. And as God's children, we will get to be fellow heirs over all things with Christ. In other words, we will be allowed to reign alongside Christ in the kingdom of God forever. That's the promise that Christ gives us and that Luke leaves us with in our passage. So in conclusion... How are we to live wisely in light of this passage? Well, I hope it causes us to carefully consider how we are hearing the word preached to us every Lord's Day. I hope it motivates us to listen carefully and to live differently in light of God's word. And here I would just like to close by offering a few suggestions, practical suggestions for all of us. I would like to encourage all of us, including myself, to reflect more on Sunday sermon throughout the week. Let's just not hear it and forget about it. 
Let's meditate on it and have it motivate us to live differently. Perhaps this involves taking notes during the sermon or journaling about it afterwards or discussing it with our family and friends over dinner or lunch. Or perhaps it involves listening to it repeatedly throughout the week. One of the things I love about this church is that the Sunday sermon is so quickly posted on the website. It's fantastic. Number two, let's not fill our minds with clutter before listening to God's word preached to us. Let's leave the TV and your phone alone on Sunday mornings. Don't turn them on before going to church. And if you say, my only Bible is my phone, I highly recommend investing in one of these. Thirdly, let's get enough sleep the night before service. Now, this is something that I confess Sue and I have not always been good at, even before we had a baby. There have been times when we have showed up to church tired because we stayed up late watching a movie the night before. And as a result, our tiredness distracted us from giving our full attention to God's word and benefiting from it. And that was our mistake. Lastly, we can prepare our hearts for the Lord's Day sermon by reading and praying over the sermon's passage beforehand, asking God to prepare our hearts and minds to be responsible listeners. But whatever you do, remember that it is God who must work in you, and he will work in you if you call upon the name of the Lord. After all, I think that that's the whole reason why Luke mentions the women who were with Jesus that day at the beginning of our passage. Not only were women back then just considered to be flat-out lesser than men, but these women included the likes of Mary Magdalene, who was at one time possessed by seven, seven demons. This tells us that no one is beyond the reach of God's word. No one is beyond the reach of God's word. It also tells us that there is no one too sinful to inherit the kingdom of God. In fact, the kingdom of God is for people exactly like that. It's for people like you and me. Let's pray. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for what you have revealed to us in it. Lord, we ask for your Holy Spirit to invest this word in our hearts and our minds. And we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would produce good fruits in us for the furtherance of your kingdom and for the sanctification of your people. And for your glory, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Westminster Pulpit is courtesy of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You are welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 8 or 11 a.m. To learn more or have questions about the gift of salvation through Christ Jesus our Savior, contact us at westpca.com. Thank you, and may Christ be glorified through this ministry, the Westminster Pulpit.